Hello, Spacers. This week we have Elise Holiday. That's two L's and an A and no I uh, from BecomingNot.com on the show. Um, uh, I know Elise uh, Holiday. She's been um, a speaker for Environments for Humans at our SAS Summit. Um, and uh, just, I've known her around. She's a fellow Austinite, so I've so met her. She's an awesome person. And I'm so glad we had to talk to her today. And, uh, and we talked a lot, a lot, a lot of things. Uh, um, we talked about, uh, what it takes to organize a physical conference. Uh, this is our first year organizing the SAS comp, uh, that's taking place in Austin. Um, let's talk about how she got into the web, uh, her passion slash major interest in web development, uh, diversity in conferences, diversity in speakers, uh, getting new speakers into our community, um, on conferences and stuff like that. So it's a really uh, a, a lot of talk, topics we talked about. So I hope you enjoy uh, the show. Uh, just a couple of notes. Uh, first off, uh, because I think it was here, she was really nice. Um, she gave us a discount code uh, of NBSPTV, uh, which is good for $75 off the SAS comp. So um, as far as I know, that's like the biggest discount I've seen that they're giving out for it. So definitely um, pick it up. Um, and, uh, deep dive into SAS uh, um, with everyone in Austin. Um, so the good news is that you know, it is in Austin. So it's uh, breakfast tacos smothered in SAS. So definitely go uh, go check it out. So um, great to see, see you there. Uh, I'll be hosting a couple of virtual conferences for Environments for Humans in November. Uh, first one is UX Rebels Summit on November 17th. Uh, that's great for freelancers and UX professionals. Um so we talk about a lot of things, that, well, some things that uh, UX is, um, pros probably need to have, I don't have in their skill set. One is uh, like a portfolio. One is how to um, design a great UX team if you need to. Um, um, also, we talk about accessibility and how we should uh, enter that into our usability uh, type stuff, as well as uh, tools and gadgets and techniques uh, for researching. After uh, that, we'll be also doing an online conference, a SAS Summit. Um, and each uh, two days, probably like 12 sessions total. Uh, uh, so you actually ask questions to the speakers directly wherever you are in the world, as long as you have a great internet connection. And then if you can't make it uh, for whatever reason uh, or for a, miss, miss a session or not, uh, you can definitely drop by and uh, uh, look at the recordings afterwards. So uh, that's at sassummit.com and also uh, uxrebelsummit.com. Uh, another thing is uh, be sure to go to iTunes, search for Non-Breaking Space Show, in the podcast area and subscribe and so that's the best way uh, you can get the latest show that's uh, always there it's always fresh and popping hot um, and if you wouldn't mind while you're at iTunes uh, just uh, uh, give us a five star review and leave a little message let us know what you think about the show uh, we love it uh, it helps us uh, carry on it's, it's, a, you know, it's kind of a labor of love uh, to do this and if you uh, like it if there's some ideas you want us to uh to do to prove the show, let us know. Um, and then also, if you are a fan of the show and don't mind doing a little voice work for us, uh, maybe record a quick MP3 for us. Uh, I like to record like a, maybe a, a bumper for the show. So it's not always my voice on here. So it'd be kind of nice to get some other interesting uh, uh, people on the show. So uh, just let us know. Just holler at us at NBSPTV on Twitter. I think that's it for now. Um, enjoy the show and see you next week.
So how are you doing? Doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Just trying to stay afloat. It's been crazy planning SASCOMF in a wedding and then work all in the same all at the same time. But wow, wow. So I know <laughs> every that's the response that I tell people. They're like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, because we're our uh, DevConf is next week, and yeah. I can't believe it's happening. Actually, it's yeah. like it's like oh. It's happening really? It's like, oh man. And I'm like, well, it can't be happening because I have all this stuff to do for it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. wait. Yeah, I'm responsible for all that stuff. <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah. What's well, funny? Somebody, I forget who I was talking to, and they were like, I'm so excited for SASCOP. And I'm like, I'm not. Like, I'm <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not excited. Yeah. They look at you weird for saying that. I'm like, why? Are you yeah. Doing? Yeah. Well, and it, it doesn't, I mean, at the risk of sounding like I'm complaining, like, I'm traveling next week doing recruiting for work mm-hmm. um and then i'm back a week and then it's fun 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 fest and then immediately at sascop so like, i'm gonna be gone for a week of my planning time and like so i'm just i like the list of stuff is so unbelievable mm-hmm. but it's actually kind of okay now we got um a couple weeks ago we uh our venue fell through and so oh, wow. we were like scrambling to find new venue space and make sure like lodging for the speakers was held up because we were moving venues. And so like all the stuff that I thought was going to be done was not done. Right. And so, and then I got sick and I was just like, oh. I can't. <laughs> but oh. it's, it's all, it's settled down and we have workshops out now. So like all right. of that stuff is settled. So now it's just like tactical, you know, like how do we feed people? Mm-hmm. So, it'll be so, fine. so I checked the site. So it's SASConf. It's happening. What specifically? I know it's soon, but like, what date? Yeah, so it's um, November 11th and 12th uh-huh. are the actual like conference talks. So we're doing talks and a couple of included workshops, um, and then some discussions. And so that's the 11th and 12th. So Wednesday, Thursday, uh-huh. and then the 13th is unconference. So it's like the community day where people can come and um, attendees can present. You can kind of get to- together in little groups and like hack on stuff and talk about stuff that um, was presented at the conference itself. Um, and this was really kind of born out of ways to get more people to present and like get the attendees actually involved instead of just like sitting in a dark room and listening to somebody <laughs> else for two days. Uh, so that's on the Friday the 13th. And mm-hmm. then um, the 14th, we're doing additional paid workshops. Okay. So this is, they're not part of the conference ticket, but you can purchase a workshop ticket in addition. And this is the first year we're offering this. Um, we just launched these today. Oh. Um, so Wes Boss is going to do his gulp workshop. And then, yeah. yeah, which is, I, I love Wes. He's great and super funny. And so I'm really excited to have him. And then Katie is doing, uh, Katie Cabalson from Sparkbox is going to do their Designing Today's Web, their Responsive Design Workshop. Um, And then Roy is going to do his Advanced SAS as a full-day workshop. So for those, like, who really want to get really, really deep in the complicated SAS stuff, you'll have a whole full extra day of complicated SAS stuff. So, uh, and those are all three awesome workshops. I looked looked at all of them. I was like... I can go to all of these. These are great. Yeah, they all they're all really, really good. So are they are they at the same venue though? Like is the venue is uh North Door and East Austin, is that right? Is um, 
Yeah, so the the conference days will be at North Door. Um, the party on the 12th and the unconference day will be at Brew and Brew, which is a little coffee shop um, just down the street from North Door. They have a little space next to Brew and Brew that we get to kind of take over. It's a really, really cool little space, and we get uh, a discount for attendees at the coffee bar, and, and we get to hang out there all day. Mm-hmm. Um, the additional workshops on Saturday will be at Capital Factory. Oh, nice. Yeah, Capital yeah. Factory's the bomb. Yeah. I work there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good spot. Um, and, you know, plenty of room and really, really good Wi-Fi, which is definitely more of a requirement for the workshops than, like, for yeah. talks and stuff. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah good. Cool. So, um, yeah, I, just, I think uh, conferences are just this just massive uh, logistical nightmares that uh, have to come together. And so it's um, – and um, Ari and I just, you know, we, we do um, a bunch of them, but uh, we just – we enjoy putting them on, but they're just, they just wipe you out. And so it's, uh, um, and this year we've actually gone to, we actually made an effort to go to other people's conferences. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. to actually and learn and enjoy uh, mm-hmm. a conference. Yeah. Just, just feel what it's like, because it's been like so many years since we were just like running around all the time. It's just like, we need to take a break and realize what, uh, why, we do, are, this? why we do this and what other people are doing. And uh, so we went to Ben Park, Austin mm-hmm. How's this that? year. Ah, oh, it was great. It was really nice. I was just, it was, it was, it was like a almost like a homecoming, really, because like I just I know everyone. It was just like, right, you know, just like, hey, you, you, you're here, you're here. Like, yeah, everybody's I, here. Yeah, I rented my editor from. Like, I was like, you're here. Like, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> like you know, like, so. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was nice, and so and they you know, they always put on a good show, and uh, yeah. we got, then we went to like uh, VidCon, which was a YouTube conference, which I would, I mean, maybe feel, yeah, maybe feel like twice as old as I am. <laughs> Uh, cause, like I didn't grow up on YouTube. Like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah like I don't like, like I Google, I don't know YouTube, whatever. But, uh, but yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. This is my first year organizing. So it's definitely interesting to kind of see the other side, um, you know, of what it takes. And, um, it's kind of funny, actually, everybody talks about how difficult weddings are to organize, but frankly, I've had a way easier time planning my wedding than SASCOM so far. We'll see. We <laughs> don't know well, if that'll last, but why is that? Uh, you don't have to sell tickets. <laughs> uh, a couple reasons. I mean, definitely not selling tickets is what, like your budget doesn't change based on selling tickets or like your attendees. Right. Um, which is definitely part of it. You know, having with a wedding, we have a set budget rather than, you know, everything kind of being dependent on what we can get, you know, from sponsors and from attendees. Um, and you don't have to have Wi-Fi, which is... Mm-hmm nice that's kind of a pain um but they're really similar like feeding a couple hundred people and um you know venues and like chairs and yeah it's it's a lot the same but um i think honestly (laughs) the hardest part about organizing is is it's all volunteers right so it's there's like lots of cooks in the kitchen and you know things um get you know divvied out and then missed and then you know somebody gets one piece of information that doesn't always translate and um not to like this on my fellow staff's comp organizers they're all amazing but i guess it's just the way it goes when you're planning a big event with a ton of moving parts and you have multiple people taking care of it so right. it's been a challenge but um but i think it's all coming together really well we're down to like we got all the swag stuff ordered. Salesforce um, was awesome. They're our biggest sponsor. They donated a ton of money to do swag and ordered all of it. So they we have some really, really cool stuff. Um, the header on the new site is a little sneak peek up at the new swag. So I'm really excited. Um, you know, we're getting into like 
what you know what can we feed people we like do you know tex-mex dinner for all of our you know out of out of state attendees and so we're getting into the fun stuff and um not like doing venue contracts anymore which is <laughs> not the fun part no it's not it's never <laughs> not at all but i mean the speakers i'm so excited our speakers and all the talks and everything looks so good mm. um I've been seeing some of their outlines and like um, notes on discussions and like how we're going to run things come in and, and their content. It just looks really, really spectacular. So I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, it makes it I, worth it. Yeah. I like the space too. The space is going to, um, uh, I've, I've been to two, a couple of events there and, um, in that, that North North. yeah. So it's, I think it will lend itself to a conversation, like a, not a conversation, but more of a community spirit. Mm-hmm. And then also there's a bar right behind you too. So it's like, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's a good space. They have a giant, nice big screen, and and hopefully we'll be able to make it, you know, kind of kind of comfy in there. And um, yeah, it should be really good. And I love that we're right next to, uh, we're just like just on the the block from Brew and Brew, and so on the twelfth for our closing party. Um, instead of like, you know, having talks and then like a break, and then going to a different place you know, across town or whatever for, you know, dinner, we're just going to move everybody over to Brew and Brew and feed them dinner there. And so it's right there. And so I think we'll get a lot of conversations that kind of continue on, you know, from the the day over into the party. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's hard sometimes. I, I've been to a lot of conferences where there's a big gap, you know, it's like, okay, now go feed yourself dinner and come to the party later, but there's no dinner at the party. So it's like, well, if I go, there's like a weird hour. It's like not long enough to go home or to the hotel, but like, right. It's it's awkward sometimes, and so we're trying to make that mm. a little smoother. Yeah, it's okay. always nice. Like, it's always because like we, we always have to take up of the hypothesis and say like, well, if we do this, and then this should right. happen, and then right. you know our goal is to get people to talk to each other and have a good time, and to right. learn to network and get inspired. So, will this maximize you know that happening? And so it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, and like I've been a part of Austin, I'm like. Like oh, once you're done, you just go out the go out the doors that you came in, and then have have uh have the, the happy hour. And it was like you can't even get better than that. So it was just like yeah, it was like zero yeah. feet have to travel. So right, right. But but it's still like there. So how, how like so you have SAS, so you're traveling, and you got fun, fun, fun fest, and then you have SASConf, and then when's the wedding? Like how far away is wedding? April. April. Oh, okay. So it's not. Yeah. Happening. No, we got we got some time, but yeah, you got nothing to complain about. Yeah. Oh yeah, but we're supposed to be sitting out like. Same of the dates that I've just been like, oh, <laughs> like yeah. forget it. Sask, it's not going to happen until after Sascom. Yeah, see, I would just send them to save the date and just like pray there's a wedding there. Like, oh, okay, let's just we'll pray we'll get everything all the logistics all squared away. Like, well, that's no, all the wedding logistics are actually relatively settled. It's just yeah. that I don't have time to make the save the dates. <laughs> okay, like even the, so, the hard stuff is done. Is just like yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we got our venues. Like we're that's all. It's good. <laughs> I just don't have time to make any make save the dates. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and Jeffrey, my fiance. I mean, he's traveling for work. Uh, he's working for a um, a startup based in New York, and so he's you know he's busy traveling for work and stuff too. So um, we're we're both like, okay, you do this. No, you do this. No, none of us have time for this. <laughs> like, ah. oh. well, it's okay. Everybody who we would send, they all know that the wedding's happening, so they'll yeah. they'll show up whether we send them an invite yeah. or not, right? Right. Yes. Because you have to make it official, official, mm. not just Facebook official. Just we'll just yeah. send them an email. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever works. Cool. Well, I do want to step backwards for one sec. Just this, we'll see. Uh, we always ask this question: like, uh, how did you get involved in web stuff? And like, oh, how, goodness. Yeah. yeah. How far back do we want to go? 
Oh, like, like, when did you see the web? Like, when was the first time you saw the web? And first time I saw the web, um, yeah. we'll go. Oh, we'll go all the way, all the way back. Um, I and I don't know if I've ever like said this um, in a publicly recorded format before. Um, so this is kind of exciting. Uh, I got on AOL when it was like 12, 13, 11, 12, something like that. Um, you know, it was like the free AOL CDs. Mm-hmm. You could get like 180 hours or whatever. And I got really involved. And I was a really big Hanson fan. And I got involved in um, Hanson like chain newsletters. Um, so this was like before blogs, mm. but it was kind of the same idea. So like you would sign up for this newsletter and, you know, whoever was running it would make like a weekly or monthly account and they would just send it to like, they would have a special AOL email and they would just send it to all their email contacts and they like would design them with like, do you remember the like rainbow, like text that would like get bigger and smaller, like this AOL thing that was like sparkly text. This is like blingies before you could actually do a GIF or like bling. It was just like, you would make each letter a little bit bigger and then a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller like and like all HTML? different colors. Like HTML or whatever? Like, or... It was just in an email, like just rich text emails from AOL. Oh, okay. I'll see if I can dig some of this up and, okay. and like tweet about it because it's really, oh, really difficult to read, but it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they would send out these newsletters, you know, it was like trivia and pictures and like stories and, and all this stuff. So uh, I did that actually. I ran one for about eight months before my dad decided he didn't want to pay for AOL anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he canceled it without telling me. And so then I lost the whole thing and like all my contacts and my email address and everything oh, man. really sad oh. i know but um right around that time and after that i got involved with like just you know doing websites like on geocities and um oh. played around with that um so did you have a geocities fan page for hansen you know i never did a fan page for them <laughs> uh i did have a geocity site but it was more like a little personal site um, and then i quickly moved to having my own domain name like, like um, well, let's, 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 that's a pretty big jump though like that's not like like how, how did you do that just like you know honestly i don't remember i i don't know i don't know what the impetus was for that to be honest like it was just kind of like the cool thing to do mm-hmm. and i i don't i don't know like i i wish i knew like i wish i had documented that at some point about like what made me take that leap into into doing that but um I think it was just kind of a natural next step from like doing you know making my own layouts and stuff on geocities and like Mm -hmm. wanting a little more control over it um and it was still really hard to figure all that stuff out I mean I remember like trying to figure out how to do hosting and stuff you know but um I I had a lot of friends who were um like taking computer science classes um, and like messing with that stuff too. I had a friend we put together, I actually built my own computer, um, my own like desktop tower at one point when I was, I think I was like 14. Um, You know, so like we just as a group, you know, my group of friends, like we were all kind of messing with that. And so, um, yeah, I did a lot of like ugly layout, like iframe pop-up layouts and stuff, you know? Yeah. It's good times. Um, (laughs) But, but that, you know, it was kind of funny. Like that was my hobby. Like that's what I did. I, I love to read and I love to do that. And so I would go, you know, and like stay up late on school nights and like redesign my site for the hundredth time that year. And like, I like numbered them all and, 
Um, I provided email hosting actually for a bunch of my friends for a couple of years um, yeah. on my site because I had all this hosting and uh, that I got, I somehow convinced my parents to pay for. Um, <laughs> I, it was like weird. I think I believed that they didn't like know about my site or read it, but they yeah. also paid for it. So I'm like a hundred percent sure that they actually did. Right. But I like in this teenage world that it, like they didn't like go see what I was doing on it and like read my horrible poetry <laughs> and it's no longer on the internet don't google it like just don't grow it's not there <laughs> i deleted it all i swear <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to go look for it i know it's not there it's uh, not there i deleted it so it's geocities uh poetry right no, oh poetry. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's not there anymore yeah. that's not there anymore actually it's really sad i actually i deleted it all on purpose like i saved everything all, all I, the stuff i could find mm. down to an external hard drive um and deleted it all offline and then i have since that hard drive has since crashed and oh. so i actually don't have any of it which is kind of a bummer honestly like i have journals and diaries you know from like elementary school years and then recent, but I have this big gap of like high school and college where like all that stuff is lost to me. So like a whole big part of my digital history is gone, which is, it's kind of weird to think like, I can't go back and read that stuff, right. even if I wanted to. Right. Well, and I think that's like, you hit on something. I think it's a, uh, you know, major uh, concern. I think going forward is that uh, we've relied on the web. There's a lot of people who are blogging, leaving, you know, content on the web on their own servers. Or even the companies, you know, like those companies, startups that will just die and collapse, like GeoCities, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're pulling GeoCities. If you want your content, pull it now. Or Apple yeah. with their web web hosting, they're like, yeah. yeah, we're not hosting anymore. So if you don't want it, and then there's like so many people had all these resources, like you know, they're just like, hey, download this thing off of my Apple website, and all these right. all these tools, they're just, and they're just gone. And so what happens, like you know, when someone's hosting bill you know like your credit card they passed away you know god bless them whatever yeah this hypothetical person god bless them uh passes <laughs> away and their credit card you know maxes out or whatever and you know their mm-hmm. content's gone so what happens what's yeah. it I mean, time, all that stuff so i mean you know there's stuff like wayback machine and all that but there's no i mean they that's you know hit or miss you know they don't get everything and mm-hmm. and you know not to be morbid but i'm super fascinated by the like what happens to our digital history when we die you right. know and there's been some really interesting um articles like medium posts and stuff about that um you know like do you go in uh do you, do you have someone who like knows your passwords that can go into your accounts if you pass away um i mean that's like i have in my parents will i have like their password decrypting stuff mm-hmm. like just in case, you know that kind of thing it's really strange to think about like how do i access my you know partners or you know my parents you know when they if they if something happen like their mm-hmm. bank accounts like how do you get to that stuff it's not paper to yeah, it's really really strange but super fascinating and um mm-hmm. and you know, right. as far as for personal stuff like it's personal stuff is one thing like your journals and history. Like, I think that's more just of like your own interest, but um, I think you touched on a really good point about resources. Like what happens when people have, um, you know, if they have books or stuff that they've shared or even blog posts, you know, for us, if you have a, a link that, you know, is now defunct on an old post, you know, and somebody's looking for that, I think it's, it's really, really hard to update those paths and those content, uh, that content. So it's, it can be hard um, to find stuff like if you're looking at like everything's lost and right. gone. I mean, I don't know if there's a way to even solve that problem, but it would be really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, like, like uh, it was like Jeremy Keith always rails about like URLs are should be permanent, or you know, you should like use right, no, right. redirects if you ever change something. But uh, right, right. But you know, like stuff falters, branches fall. You know, that's kind of the beauty of the internet, though. It's a uh, yeah. And then uh, we had Facebook on. Um, was it uh, our content strategy summit? And um, mm-hmm. they now have like uh, a pathway. Um, I, I don't know exactly. The, I forgot what the terms, like the details are, but. Uh, they allow people, you know, when if someone passes away, for a relative to come in oh, and, that's cool. and turn it off or or do what they need to do. So, um, and they, they hadn't had that before, and so that yeah, kind of grew. Yeah, it kind of grew up like Eric Meyer's situation with, with what he did was so mm-hmm. with the way he went through. So it was kind of kind of interesting. It's not good for them. That's uh, I think that's probably necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, nice. Yeah, well, that, so, that, that's still kind of a, a morbid turn. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of hard, but I mean, it's, I think it's also like part of the, you know, as someone who's seen the web grow up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I, you know, you know it's been around for, for a long time, but like the web boom and everything that it's, right. it's sort of nice to see it mature and, um, and be a medium that's, you know, I think, I think, you know, on par with print, on par with, you know, uh, TV and so like that. So now it's like, you know, we have the legs underneath it now and it's. Right. Absolutely. Forward, so. I mean, when I, you know, when I was doing like, my little personal site and GeoCities, like, you know, this was back before it was back before. I mean, I'm sure that this was not before internet harassment, but like before that was being talked about, you know, before it was considered a big deal to put your personal information on, on the web, it just seemed like shouting out into the void, you know, there wasn't any repercussion. It was just like, uh, here, here's me and I'm going to put my stuff out there. You didn't think about the future consequences or like what that would do to your professional reputation or, you know, if your friend would read it or like if, how it would be stored, it was just, it was kind of a little, little wild then. Right. Um, but it's, you know, now <laughs> there's more harassment. There's people who have been around long enough to, you know, like have their, you know, to pass away and have their Facebook accounts, you know, languish. And uh, I, I think you're right. I think the web has definitely matured. Um, in that way where we're having these conversations about what happens to our personal data. And I think that's really interesting. Um, and certainly as developers, we have, I think some obligation to kind of consider that in the work that we do. Right. Yeah. I think it's you know definitely like that golden era of like BA before abuse, you know, before people. That's not really, I don't think that was ever really true, but we can kind of pretend that it was. Yeah. There was a time uh, when I didn't get spam. I was, there was a time. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy times. And, and uh, dinosaurs also walked walked the earth too. Yeah, basically but, uh, same but, time period. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So uh, yeah. let's look at a little bit happier times topics. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so GeoCities. So you went from GeoCities, creating your own layout. So and then you started just creating your own domain name. And then like, like at what point did you decide to, like, hey, this is something a career professional? Like you know, yeah. Oh, that came much later. It was kind of funny because I like. So when I went to college, I actually went to college um, originally for biology. Where did you go to college? Uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic. It's in upstate New York. Um, and the joke is that if you can spell it, you can graduate. Like, that's the test <laughs> you have to take. It's R-E-N-S-S-A-E-L-A-E-R. I don't even know. I can't. Obviously, didn't graduate. Um yeah, so I went originally, they have a really, really great um, genetics and bioinformatics program. And so I w- originally went for that because at the time, like you could go into computer science, but like web design like wasn't a thing. And it certainly wasn't a, a 
collegiate option, you know, I mean, it barely is now. Mm. Um, and I was really interested in, in science and I still really am. Um, but it didn't take me very long, uh, doing science in school to realize that that was not a good career for me. Um, and they actually had just launched a new degree, uh, was communication, uh, communications degree, um, with a focus in, in web design okay. or graphic design. And so I was, um, it started my sophomore year. So I joined up to do that. Um, and it was kind of like, I didn't, it didn't ever really occur to me that that could be a career, you know? Yeah. And so when I saw that they were offering that, I was like, Oh, I, that, you know, I like this and I don't want to do science anymore. And, and this is something I could do. But even then I was still kind of focusing on the graphic design side of it um, and, and looking for a more print-based job. Um, but it turns out the job that I got out of college was a web designer, um, e.g. making pictures in Photoshop, um, but for web. And the reason they hired me was because I had HTML and CSS experience mm. from like, you know, doing my own stuff like and I didn't really do any of it in college. I did it, well, I did some, but not very much. And I was like on live journal, like doing live journal layouts and like making graphics and stuff like that. Mm. And I still had my personal site um, and I made my own like little portfolio site. But it wasn't until I actually got a job and they were like, oh, well, you know, HTML and CSS, we could really use somebody who's on our design team, but can kind of also bridge the gap between our developers and like help them start cutting up the designs and like making the HTML page, you know, before they start actually building it. Right. Um, and that, that was when I kind of realized that I loved it. Um, I was like, I actually like doing this enough that I can do it. And somebody will pay me to do that. Like that's, that was a really, a really cool moment. And, um, I did that for a couple of years at a couple of different places, um, before I really found my niche, which was when I moved to Austin, um, I worked at a company called Bizarre Voice and they do ratings and reviews online. So if you are online shopping and you see you know, like the four or five star rating and reviews, that's probably us unless it's on Amazon. I say us, I haven't worked yeah. there in like four years, but yeah. Um, yeah. So when I was working there, I kind of, I was doing a lot with like templatizing our, the review display. Um, and that was really when I found my, like the thing that I love, which is kind of the like, architecture and refactoring and like the kind of like organizational part of, um, of like front end and, you know, markup and CSS. Um, and for some reason that just like, it just, that's the thing I like. I like doing it. It's more fun than all the other parts. Um, and I've kind of been able to build a career out of like that one weird little niche part of front end dev, which is kind of cool. Which is just like just refactoring and just making things modular and just like smoother and, yeah. Um, so I know you had Micah Godbolt on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about front end architecture. And so a lot of that, like I saw his talk at, um, at CSS Conf last year, I guess. And that really resonated with me. I mean, you know, he's talking about building modular stuff, like going through and kind of figuring out like, what are all the patterns you have? How can you write CSS or SAS to kind of keep it organized and, and keep it maintainable for the future? Um, can you write, you know, clean markup and um, kind of keep a little separation of concerns there? And I just think that stuff is so fascinating. I'm really good at um, CSS refactoring, doing, you know, SAS architecture stuff. That's something that I just really enjoy. And um, and there's actually a surprising need for it um, in yeah. product organizations. And I mean, I'm sure with, you know, working for clients as well, but um, my experience has mostly been in product organizations where you, you know, you have a website or you have an application and you don't get to start over. 
with a new client next time, you know, you have this thing and you have to keep going with it. And so, um, what's the joke today's new technologies or tomorrow's legacy code. Um, like that's you, you, you're making choices that are supposed to, you know, they have to last you a long time and they have your, your CSS has to work, not just for the site, like the production site, but also for 10 to a hundred developers to also use. And that's a really, really different skill set, I think than writing, like doing CSS animations or like making really cool CSS art or, um, designing, for clients and like, it's just a different, like you're writing code for a different group, you know, for a different use case. Um, and I just, I like it. I, I think that's a really interesting challenge. Um, and, and Austin's a good town for those kind of companies. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of that here. Yeah. There's, and Michael, Mike, Mike is uh, running a book. Yeah. Like he, I think he, last time I heard he, he finished his draft. So should be out. He has, um, I'm doing a review for him. Yeah, so I, I think we're both reviewing it actually. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool stuff. Like a lot of it, it, you know, and I've talked to Michael a lot about the, the front end architecture stuff. And so a lot of it was stuff that I kind of already knew or understood, you know, stuff we had talked about, but there was a couple of things in there. Um, like what? Oh, what was the thing in particular? There was one thing that he did that was like blowing my mind. Um, it was some like JSON templating of like, JSON something related, like basically like saying like how you can connect different templates. And I, I don't know. I was like, I never even thought about doing that. Mm. So there's a definitely a couple of things in there that I was like, I need to implement this immediately <laughs> at work, which is really cool. I'm excited for him to release that. Yeah. Yeah. His talk at the uh, DevConf was like, I think one of the more popular ones. So it was pretty, pretty nice. So, oh, it was, it's cool to see talks kind of like live on past their, um, like original yeah. like moment, you know, like to, to see them on Twitter and like even for Mike, like he got to write a book out of it, which is, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Yeah. Cause um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like like, cause his talk was about, uh, you know, I don't want like some Mike at hour, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's like his talk, you know, sometimes people that talk, I'll make it not about my, just, you know, some people have the talk that like is, uh, they find that niche and, uh, they can just grow it, grow it, grow it. And then, uh, it can be, sure. and then, um, and some, you know, so it's, I think I've had that one time where like a talk would just like, it sailed for like a whole year. Like it's just like people just wanted to see here. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll go talk about this. But yeah. So it's right. Very nice when that happens. But, um, and it's also great when, um, it's new speakers come up and, and uh just just grew up because i think um i was talking to simon uh, my editor at the at, at o'reilly but also he he, he chairs uh fluent at uh, o'reilly is is that uh yeah, we talked about how like you know there's the whole generation that grew up with a big boom the first boom of the web you know web designers and developers and how like the speakers just kind of like just kind of like doing different things like they have lives lead they're not really interested in speaking anymore they just right. you know like you know they, they they have you know they you know whatever case but and so like, there's been like this like bonding out of speakers like hey where, where are they coming from and so like that's one of the things i like about season DevConf is that uh we just you know we just open up to call papers mm-hmm. and uh you know like i think saskoff does the same thing which is like submit yeah. and we don't know who you are and we do like double blind and so like just we don't know who you are we're don't, we're, just, we're having a we're having a party at this date, so we hope <laughs> yeah, someone yeah. submits a part. It's a proposal. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. 
the speaker the speaker question i mean that that is so tough with like it's good it is always good to get new voices and i definitely believe there is a lack of diversity of voices at most events um you know and and even at SASConf this year, I mean, we tried really hard and, I, and I'm really proud of the diversity work that we did. Um, but I think there's still a ton of room for improvement. Um, we didn't have, uh, we don't have a, a, a person of color, a black person on our lineup. And I, I really wish we did. We had some submit, um, but it's kind of a tough line between like, what's the content, you know, what, what's the focus of your event? What kind of submissions are you getting? Um, you know, and, and for us, I just believe it was, it's all, it's all about outreach. Um, you know, you are, I think, so we did, um, I wrote a blog post on the SASCOM site about it. We can, um, I can tweet it, we can link to it, but, uh, we did kind of a, a little trial, a new thing with our submissions this year where we did an open submission on GitHub. Um, so instead of doing anonymous from the beginning, we had them, uh, like with people's names and everything on GitHub. And then we did a first pass through those. Um, and then we did kind of a second round. We had a whole bunch where we kind of couldn't decide, like, these are all so good. We have to narrow them down some way. Uh, and so then we we anonymized those and sent those to a panel, um, which was a little bit more manageable than sending like all 80 or 90 of them to uh, a review. And and I think that's kind of my problem with the the fully, like, blind like long survey list i mean like i love the idea of the community voting but when you get to page 12 and there's been eight you know like talks about the same thing you're like i don't i don't know i don't have any idea which one of these is going to be good and and so i'm always really curious how that data comes back you know from those big surveys because like does the one at the end just get fewer votes because it's like people's eyes are like crossed on page 12 like yeah yeah know. yeah it's just it, like for for devconf it's uh we just we, we look at the top the top results like who, how many slots we have mm-hmm. and then we see like you know okay here we go and then and um we've made judgment calls uh where if we have like six talks on flexbox it's just right like this can't <laughs> yeah like like and they're all in the top you know list like like no, I can't have six talks mm-hmm. on Flexbox, you know, and um, so so we actually narrow it down and just try to see like, you know, which one, you know, you know, and then we we we, we also I also ask around it's like, hey, you know, um, we, we do I do have a small panel of people like I I trust and say like, hey, of these flex boxes, which one would you like to? Which one do you like to see? Yeah, which one would you like to see? Because like I know I I, I the, thing, the thing is like, I try to understand. Uh, and, and value like my view of the industry, but my view is my view, and so right. so I, I need to trust uh, people like who are like in the trenches. You know, I, I who I think is in the trenches all every day. Uh, someone who has a different aspect, more right, but also people who are very different right. than you. Yeah, and um, so and so yeah. and so yeah, and then um, and then they bring their own you know point of view to it. So it's really it's really helpful when when we do it. So. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad because like it's, um, but yeah, I just like it, the fact that it's new voices. It's really refreshing uh, to, to hear new people. And like, and the story I always go with is uh, uh, Rachel Neighbors. You know, came to our first DevConf, and uh, you know, now she's, you know, she's, she's awesome. She's, yeah, yeah. She's like, yay! And then, um, yeah. but, but even yeah. then, like, even even during that, even during that talk, 
during that one conference, I still remember because uh, I was outside, like you know, you know, putting out fires as you do as a conference organizer, <laughs> yeah. and just like and um, talking to her and talking to Tab Atkins afterwards, and Tab was like, "Yeah, she says some really good things about web animation," and so she was happy that right. uh, you know she, Tab was there, a person from Google who works on the specs yeah. for W three at three C, and that things could be improving. Yeah. web animation like you know for uh, three or four years from now so like from yeah. when, like, from when that happened. yeah yeah yeah, yeah so i mean it's happened. it's kind of a fact that an experienced speaker is going to give a better talk um, i mean mm-hmm. in almost all cases um i think there are lots of experienced speakers who are not great but i know at least from my own experience like the first time you do it it's way worse than you know the second or third or fifth or tenth time um but that's a totally different problem than you know getting the diversity of voices and a diversity of content um and i so i think you know one of the things that we tried to do this year was have mentors for all of our speakers we do have some first-time speakers um and and some you know experienced speakers as well and so what we did is we set them up in a slack um with mentors so we assigned you know two or three or four to a a mentor and so we're reviewing outlines and looking at their slides and they're all going to do a run through um on video chat with their mentor and and I mean, even for experienced speakers, if you're giving a new talk, it's good to go through it and like see how long things take, and yeah. um, you know if your jokes make sense, if your slide transitions make sense. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's really good to be able to have that practice, um, and, and I think that's really important. And and especially for new speakers, I think some of the fear is like, well, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's lots of like written blog posts and like here's how you be a new speaker, you know, but it's just not the same as like having somebody there to like help you and mentor. Um, uh, Sam Cap, I know she does a show sometimes. She's one of our speaker mentors uh, and Scott Kellum um, and Jen Myers, who's amazing. She volunteered to do that for us as well. And Micah. So we have a really, really cool crew. Um, I think I'm missing somebody. Oh, Mina. Yeah. Mina Markham is helping us also. Awesome. <laughs> Claudia, yeah. Anyway, so it's yeah, it's a it's a really great group, and um, so it's it's nice too as an organizer to kind of like see some of that content coming in, and, and beforehand, you know, and um, you know, when we went through all of our submissions, we were kind of looking for a really interesting mix of content, of topics, um, short form, long form. We're doing a ton of lightning talks this year, mm-hmm. and we're trying to not say lightning talks; it's it rolls off the tongue so easy. But we're trying to say like short form and long form because I think. Some people will disagree with me, but I think that a lot of talks, a lot of the long, like 40 minute talks mm-hmm. really don't have enough content to be long talks. They're like 20 minute talks with a lot of filler yeah. and like rambling. And I mean, some, there are some things that like you just, you need the hour, you know, you need the 40 right. minute, but um, we wanted to showcase a lot more content. So we have, I think the seven, seven or eight short form talks and like six or seven long ones four workshops and five discussions, I think. So it was just like, uh, the amount of content is just like totally, totally unreal. I don't know how we're going to pack it all in there, but we'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of what we were looking for and, and, you know, working with our speakers to make sure that they're going to give the best talks that they can give. And and I, I would love to see more conferences do something similar, like have mentors and, yeah, you know, I mean, kind of focus on that for their new speakers or when yeah. the old ones too. Well, I think that's a great idea. I never really thought about using a Slack channel as a mentorship Type of type of um, pathway. That was like that's pretty smart. Pro organizer tip: get your speakers all and your organizers all in the same Slack channel. It's the best thing. Oh, it's really? So I can't. I mean, like we're 
we're doing all of our, um, like even like lodging stuff mm-hmm. and like flights. Like I don't have to email all my speakers and like wait for them to email me back and like see if stuff gets lost in emails. Like I can, I just message them. And so it's all right there. Mm-hmm. So, so convenient. And then they can all talk to each other. So there's already, you know, like friendships and camaraderie happening. And so that networking that you get, uh, at the conference is already starting to begin, you know, with our speakers, yeah. they'll be more comfortable with each other, yeah. you know, and then when you're not spending time doing that at the event, then you have more energy and time, you know, to talk to attendees and focus on your talk. And, um, so I mean, it's just, it's been amazing all around. If I have one conference organizing tip, it would be put all your people in a Slack channel because it is super, super helpful. Yeah. Um, everybody seems to really like it too. Cool, awesome. That's great. That's great. Yeah, like this I, is like the SASCOM cover. It's like all I've been thinking about lately. It's all I can. Oh like man, can yeah. I, I mean, if you want to talk about DevConf, we can talk about that. Yeah, that's I'm bummed I'm missing it this year. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry you're not coming. Kind of sounds like you're pretty busy. So I, well, and I yeah, I chose when it was released. I was like, I really want to go, but. There's no way I can do all of this. Well, I appreciate it. it's in Austin, so it's it's a yeah. Because and I appreciate. Uh, now I do want to go back to some other things, but I just I suppose I like, do appreciate mm-hmm. you putting it in Austin, and I do appreciate the logistical uh, dance of trying to find a new venue. <laughs> it falls through. So oh my uh, god, like because yeah. uh, New Orleans was actually uh, um, last year we did New Orleans, mm-hmm. and uh, which were you were there, and that yep. venue was awesome because it yeah. was actually in French Quarter. It was a beautiful, yeah, it was a nice, beautiful hotel. Beautiful hotel, like you know, we fell in love with it uh, just through the the photos. You know, um, it was so yeah, ostentatiously so, French. It's really yeah. great. Oh my god, it was so it was so, so beautiful. And um, I called them up, and they was like, "I would love uh, to do an event there," and they said no. And I was like, oh. "Why?" I was just Christmas. Like, there's a no. Again, we're too busy. I don't know what. Like, no. It was like their salesperson said no to me. Like, like. So the person who wants to sell me something says no, I don't. Know. <laughs> and so I was like, look, like I, I have this window, I have yeah, this gigantic window. Tell me when. <laughs> yeah, squeeze me in, and um, you know, I have some parameters. Like, you know, I don't want to do on Thanksgiving week, but you know, right. just let me, uh, yeah, let me know. And it's like no, and it's just like oh. So we went and researched all the other venues uh, that are in New Orleans, and they're all like, you know, like they're all nice hotels, but they're all like modern, right? Hotels. It's like not New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. so it's like places that have withstand people being drunk you know <laughs> you know it's not it doesn't have that class of uh, yeah, yeah. you know of uh, the uh, the nice hotel that's been around forever so um and so it's like oh man it's just like just dragging and i was just like i just did a hail mary i was like hey, i went back and they were like Do, are you sure you know it's cause, like i've checked every other hotel and they have space but i really do not want to uh I, I don't do want to do it here. I want to do it here. And they're like, yeah. yes. And I'm like, yeah, we, of course we have an opening. I was like, I don't know who I talked to before, but that guy's a jerk. Yeah, it's not a bad day. <laughs> yeah. So no, was, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. We, we, had a, we had a hell of a time finding a date because there's something going on in Austin like literally every weekend. And so it was like, okay, well, it's it can't be, it can't be ACL. It can't be any of these other conferences that are happening, like CSS Def Comp, can't be the same week as that. It can't be Ruby Conf. It can't be any in-town football games on the weekend. <laughs> it can't yes. be Fun 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 Fest. It can't be MotoGP weekend, or sorry, Formula One weekend, mm-hmm. which is like next weekend. So, I mean, this, the a weekend of the, like, this is the week that we picked. I think it's like the only 
weekend. Let's talk, like, but I don't know. I but there's probably something happening that we don't know about. But yeah, yeah. And then was, we did, we, yeah, we did artifact in Austin. This is like this is that was of, a good one. Yeah, well, we should we should uh, just get like just get drunk and talk about it. But uh, <laughs> talk about the problem. But we'll wait till after after the conference. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was this. Uh, it was like we, we did ours at uh, Alamo, right? The Jeffers, yeah. Uh, uh, it was downtown Alamo, and then Sunday is like the day before. We're like just like going gangbusters trying to get everything set up, and Sixth Street is blocked off because of Beacon Festival. I had never heard of Beacon Festival. I was like, "What the heck is a Beacon Festival?" And why are we having it? And then, and then I learned we have Pecan Festival twice a year. Every year. year. I was like, oh, twice a year, yeah. yeah. like, why do we have pecans twice a year? Like, I don't understand. Like, because because Sixth Street used to be Pecan Street. Yeah, I don't understand. Why not? Why not? Because yeah. there's always something going on. Yeah, there's always something going on. But yeah. Yeah, so. yeah it's yeah. – yeah. yeah, anyway. Grape, 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 grape. But it's fun to do. <laughs> I love it. Love it. But, um, so anyway, yeah. so Bizarre Voice, you're there. Yeah. Uh, you, f- you found your passion. Your web passion is uh, yeah. refactoring. Uh, I hate the term passion, though. I, I got to tell you. What what word should I be using besides passion? Um, you know, I don't know. I haven't I haven't really found a good replacement because I know what when people say passion, what they mean is the thing that you really like and that are you really excited about and enjoy doing. Um, but there's an article. Um, Abdi wrote this article called "The Passion Gospel," and I am I I love sharing this, and I guess I think it's really really interesting. And he says that. Um, you know, the word passion mm-hmm. means something that you are like, you will die for, like something that you are so, so involved in um, mm-hmm. that that's just like your whole life. Um, and he says, most people, when they say passionate, they mean motivated or enjoy their work. Um, and like people understand that. Um you know, but he says, um, we all want people who care deeply about our craft, but is passion the right word? This is a word people use to describe the deepest desires of their hearts, things they would sacrifice and die for. Mm-hmm. My enthusiasm for programming is tremendous, but compared to how I feel about giving my children a safe and fulfilling life, it's not even in the same category. Right. One of those topics can bring me to tears and it isn't programming. Um, anyway, so he talks about like how it's kind of like a dangerous word. And we talk about, you know, we expect people to like give all their time to their job and like program in their spare time and like right. be so passionate about something they're going to argue about like tabs and spaces and like how important this is and like really like I'll share the link with you it's it's a really really cool read um, yeah yeah definitely I feel like you know passion is also like uh, you know the I don't know what the like the the term is but using this you know using the same term but in a different context like you know, you're passionate. Mm-hmm work you know like putting the context of like work this is what i would like to do i mean i'm not sure there's a specific yeah i don't know what another word is yeah Um, so like yeah but my passion for life is like you know give my kids an awesome life right right life experience i just i i i resonated his point resonated resonated with me around like passion being like uncontrolled emotion and like something that you would um like take a stand for you know versus like I, I'm fulfilled in my work. Uh, I find it challenging. I like doing it. I like my coworkers. Like it's kind of a different, a different thing. And, and I think he talks a lot about how, you know, in, in the tech industry, we kind of expect it to be people's lives mm-hmm. as well as their careers. And we kind of look down on people who like just work from nine to five, like those programmers who work at like uncool companies that like don't have beer pong and, <laughs> you know, 
pool tables and stuff like that. Like they just want a paycheck. Like they're not real programmers because they're not passionate about it. And, And I think that's a really, really dangerous thing. It's, it's another aspect of the mentality that, you know, can be really, um, uh, unex- or inexclusive, you know, or could be really exclusive and not inclusive, right? Um, you know, to people who maybe like can't afford to do it in their spare time or or can't afford to go to events. You right. know, there's as cool as events are. Like, is that what makes you a good programmer or a good designer if you have all this money and free time to like go to industry events? Yeah. Um, and anyway, so sorry, a little bit of a soapbox there, but no, no, uh, I, think, I totally agree. I think it's an like, interesting discussion. Yeah, because I feel like just because, um, like. One of the things about Environments for Humans, like we do at online conferences, um, is that uh, we, we want to be able to give people information no matter where they are in the world, you know, yeah. access to speakers and ask mm-hmm. them questions directly. And the, the goal is that they themselves will build better environments for humans right. uh, through their work and so that. But also, right. you know, and no matter what that means, is like in terms of, yeah, they have an idea, maybe they get an idea, inspiration uh, for a new concept or something like that, but also... Also for building workflows that save them time so they right. can go to uh, work them. at five o'clock right. and do something like go to their family. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's like, that's kind of like, you know, where our humans came from was just that. Yeah. Uh, no, that's really cool. Yeah, I love, so I love the online events. I think that's, we need more of that kind of thing and more, more ways to share that stuff online and, um, you know, be involved in, in communities. Uh, you know, we, we work, on our computers and we can talk to anybody anywhere in the world on our machines, but we still come to offices to talk to each other on our machines, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think we definitely need to expand that and, and have people working remotely and sharing information remotely, um, you know, without the, like, without the harassment of Twitter really, <laughs> um, you know, but like in a, in a, in a nice, like constructive way and not in a, in a, you know, not using the internet as another way to establish, you know, dominance and cliques and right. uh, make inclusive com- or exclusive communities. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, it pains me when someone like equates Twitter to just like, like as an example of like the example of online harassment, though. So that's well, just, yeah. For a lot of people, it is. I mean, that's yeah. it's it's really true. It's yeah. it's a a platform where people can connect, um, and in a lot of ways, that's amazing. I know I've made a ton of friends and a ton yeah. of connections on Twitter that I would never have otherwise made, but Likewise. it's also yeah, and but it also because it's public and people can connect with you, it opens you open yourself up for unsavory types and mm-hmm. even um, I mean straight up harassment, but also just like some people who don't filter their thoughts very well right. to right. strangers on the internet, and I feel like that's certainly that part at least is a tackleable problem. Like, hey, when you're talking to somebody else on the internet, they don't have the same experience as you. They don't have the same background as you. They may have a different opinion as you. And it's probably worth thinking about what you're going to say before you say it. Right. I mean, we're all yeah. guilty of sending a tweet that came out all wrong. <laughs> Not me. Uh, my tweets are always sanitized. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never a uh, negative thought. It's over. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Um, anyway. Well, yeah. So like, yeah. But yeah, I was talking to Sam Richard about this. Uh, and it's just like, <laughs> Uh, like empathy and making sure people have that. So, and yeah, not so much for like, no social media, but just, just also for in general, yeah. engineer, engineers and some of that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, you yeah, asked just, me a about Bizarre Voice and like my work and I, we, no, no, I derailed is, that whole this is, thing. This is how it usually goes. Don't worry about it. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So, um, 
but yeah, but there's definitely to come back to it. Uh, Bizarre Voice. Mm-hmm. So you're working on Bizarre Voice. Uh, you don't have your, it's what you love to do or like what you yeah. like to do. I'm not going to say passion. Maybe. I'm not yeah. going to say passion. <laughs> whatsoever. But uh, a lot of cool people work with Bizarre Voice. Uh, yeah. So so you're there for like, what happens next? Like what's? Oh yeah, I was there for like three years. Um, and I ended up going to um, a company called Square Root, um, which they're, um, they're growing really, really quick in Austin. They do, um, oper- they have an app for operations. So like when I was there, it was mainly for car manufacturers. Um, so we worked a lot with Nissan. Um, and they basically, our app would track um, the OEM visits to dealers, um, like sales data, marketing data. Um, so it's just kind of like helping them do all their day-to-day operating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went there, uh, they're much, much smaller than they are now, but I kind of got an opportunity to do some of that architectural work um, for the first time from scratch. And so they had multiple small applications that they were refactoring and redesigning into one big one. And so they hired a designer and myself. Uh, and so that was definitely like, a, oh God, I've been hired for this job that I don't know if I can actually do this. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was a real, real challenge, but that was, that was a really, really eye-opening role for me. Um, you know, I was working with uh, a lot of offshore developers, a couple in-house developers, a designer with this huge application that, you know, hundreds of people were using every day it was, you know, saving them a ton of money, ton of operating money. And, uh, you know, how do, how do you make that a good architecture for a lot of developers? How do you make a good design and a good UX for your users? How do you keep those in sync when you're changing and adding new features? You know, I mean, I was the only front-end person and we had like five offshore dev teams. Um, And so there was a lot of, I think it really kind of honed my uh, sense of like how to code for other developers. Uh, Trial by fire there. Um, So what did you learn? Like, like what, what did you learn? Like, what was it? So they helped you out to deal with five teams that were offshore. Oh man, um, documentation, and I know that's not a surprise, but you know, like if we had we had a grid system, and I didn't have to explain how to to my developers how to use it because it was really well documented in the file, and so when they were going to go in and make something, it was just really clear to them like what they should be doing. Um, and also, you know, the biggest thing that I learned was just how to code, like, safely, I guess. Like, how to make sure things are kind of bulletproof. Um, you know, I couldn't code review everything that every developer was doing. And so I couldn't force them or know if they were going to make a button that was a link or a button or an input or, God help me, a div. Like, I just, you know, you didn't know. And it, but what I can do is in the CSS, write it such that no matter what it is, those eventualities are covered. Um, and that's that's really different. It's a really different mentality for writing CSS than when you're, you know, designing a personal site or, or you know, designing a really beautiful, like, client site with a lot of, like, cool type and graphics. Uh, we had very little color, very few graphics. It was pretty bare bones, but it was about making it do anything and like making sure all these eventualities were covered. And uh, so having a good 
file architecture. So like all your, you know, partials, like things are separated, like your functional stuff is separate from your presentational stuff. Uh, it was a lot of that kind of, those are the kind of lessons that I learned. And, and those have served me really well um, in, in later jobs and at the job I'm at now. Yeah. It um, seems like it would reinforce your, uh, you know, your, your like of refactoring to be able <laughs> yeah. to like, well, they didn't uh, scare me away. So <laughs> to actually like build things that you were mm-hmm. already kind of refractored as much as possible and bulletproof yeah. concept. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, actually it helped you like on the front end side, like the, the, the beginning part right. as well as the, yeah. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And so, so square root, is that the name? Square root. Mm-hmm. Square root. Okay. That's an awesome name for a company. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, so square root and then, uh, so I was at maker square for a little while teaching. I took about eight months and went and taught for them. I did a front end class in the evenings for them. It was a really, really fun experience. Um, love teaching. Um, but that program unfortunately didn't end up, um, lasting a whole lot longer after that. I know they're still doing their full-time, um, like rails and JavaScript focused full-time courses, um, but their evening thing, uh, we, we shut that down. Um, but it was, it was really cool. And, and I learned a whole lot about, you know, how to talk to beginners and how to, how to teach. And, and, uh, I, I loved doing it. Um, and I would definitely, you know, I, I think like workshops and stuff will probably in my future, you're going to doing some more of that kind of stuff. Um, right. but last November, so I guess it's been almost a year. Um, I went to retail me not. Mm-hmm. So I'm. Well, uh, I do have one story because I was there. Oh yeah. I, I was sort of in there because you did our SAS summit in November. Yes. That's when we have it. And then, um, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and then you were a speaker there. And the, one of the coolest things I think I've seen was that um, I think you were. It was like kind of like you had to, you know, like things in, you know, you were stopped speaking. You know, the job ended at Maker Square. Yeah. So you were looking for work, and then you came in, knocked it out of the park. Because we we actually like you know have like you you watch it produced live and actually we have people right, right. come in for free watch it live and then yeah, we're and, like, I was there. Uh, and, and you were there like you knocked, you knocked out the park and then like and then during a break we're like hey how are you doing with the you know are you okay with the job things like yeah I got twenty offers <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like that was like the <laughs> most twenty offers um, but I did no it was cool I got um, I didn't get twenty offers just to be really clear on that, but I did no, get. I tweeted about it, and I got I just like an unbelievable response yeah. um, from the community. I actually put together um, a file like I just. I was like, it was probably like thirty or forty, mm-hmm. like just like things. Like people are like, you should talk to this, but I I like kind of ended up collecting this like list of stuff, and I hope somebody else found a job through that. I know I sent a whole bunch of them to my friends who were looking, but the coolest story out of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, was that I had an interview with um, Juan Peritica. Um, he's a um, he's doing like JavaScript Columbia, and he, he works for this company called Ride. I know a lot of the, like he knows all the Brooklyn JS people. Um, that was a terrible bio, Juan. If you're listening to this, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> uh, anyway, I had an interview with Juan. And he's working at a company called Ride, and they're working on ride sharing um, for people who commute. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you work at the same job, you can commute together. Uh, and use the app and and share costs and stuff like that. And I had an interview with him, and it was it's a more it was a more for a more JavaScript focused role. Um, and so Juan is like me, very talkative and um, outgoing. And so I'm on this like Google chat, like hang out with him, and he's going on and on about this job. Mm-hmm. And I I know like five or ten minutes into him talking that it's not going to be the right role for me, right? Just because of the focus. 
but I'm like, I know exactly who to point you to, yeah. to, I know, I know the perfect person for this role. And so I finally, like, we finally got, I, I didn't want to just like interrupt and be like, no, sorry, like, shut up. Like, you know, cause I was interested and I was like, okay, this is going to be really weird. Like, but I know it's not for me, but I know who you should talk to. Um, and then the added complication was that this person that he should talk to was my fiance, Jeffrey. And so he, I didn't want to be like, he should talk to my, you know, to, to my fiance, like, just because I, I wanted Tim to know that it was like really based on merit and not just because yeah. I was like, oh, my fiance needs a job. But he it was really, really interested in alternate transportation. Um, and he was looking to do more JavaScript stuff. Um, but he also has uh, a really great design background and front end like CSS skills. And that I mean, it was like the perfect role in, in all these ways. It's remote. Um, and I was like, okay, you need to talk to, to Jeffrey. Um, and so Jeffrey ended up getting that job out of that oh, nice. interview, which was really, really cool. Um, so, so two good things came out of that. Um, yeah. yeah. And so then I ended up going to retail me not, um, mm-hmm. which was, was, it was really sudden. And I, um, got the connection and, and, uh, spent some time talking to, um, the, to Cravey, Mike Cravey, who was my manager here for a while. Um, and when they went ahead and made me an offer, Mike was like, okay, well, I want you to come in for a couple of meetings, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I was planning to start in like another two weeks or something around right. Thanksgiving. He's like, well, I want you to come in for these meetings. Oh, and this one, and this one, and this one, you know what, why don't you just come in on Monday and <laughs> we'll just like figure it out. And so I started, like, I signed the offer on Friday, and I started yeah. on, like, Monday or Tuesday morning. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Which, yeah, it was really nuts. Um, but it was okay. It was fun. So, like, I got there, and they were like, uh, computers? Like, uh, we'll yeah. figure it out. Just go to your meetings. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and I really like it. It's a, it's a really good team. And speaking of Bizarre Voice, um, Lon Ingram just joined us, um, Lon C on Twitter. So he just joined my team a couple months ago. Um, so we get the, the dad puns in person now <laughs> every day. Nice. If you're following a lot on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. So, and then, so that's, that brings us up to speed, right? That's like, yeah, I think that's, that's it. And hopefully, um, so we're working on a project, uh, that, that I think, you know, Micah is probably going to love. And, um, I know Gina from Salesforce that, you know, they're working on a lot of like she does a lot of like style guide, um, you know, shared style guide stuff. And, and I think this is kind of the next like phase we're talking about like style guides was last year. And, and this year, I think it's going to be a lot about, I don't know a good term for it. Um, some people have been calling it like style APIs. Um, but basically what we're doing is we're building a separate repository of our styles and templates. Mm-hmm. And serving those into our main application. So we have a set of ingredients, and we're calling them ingredients, but, you know, patterns or what have you, um, that are kind of like approved by design. And so, you know, we have the header and the footer and, you know, sidebars and filters and buttons and a carousel and um, the, the coupon card and all the forms and, like you know, all these patterns that are reusable. Um, and those are served up. Um, we install it as an NPM package and serve them up. And so if you're building a new page, first you import that stuff, mm-hmm. you can reuse the templates that you want, and then you can add on top of it if you have like custom one-off stuff for that page. And so instead of your CSS living in the main project, it lives kind of in a separate place and we kind of like control what's being done. Um, and, and I think that's that's like the next 
step. Like I, I know some other companies are doing it. Um, Gina at Salesforce, I think Salesforce was the first one that I heard of doing it, but I know we're not alone. Um, and, and I really think that's the way that that kind of stuff is going to go, especially for big applications. And so we're, um, we're well, well into that and, uh, it's working well so far. Um, right. so, I'm hoping so, to be able to do some talks about it and stuff, uh, in the that. future that's after, after SaskConf is over. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, one thing at a time. So, so that's more like, so you would like launch and install it and then you have to maintain it. Right. So like you yeah. get like a new refresh, but then you have to maintain the like HTML structure, but you can change the CSS. Yeah. There? So with the, the templates are kind of the big question right now, like exactly how we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, up to this point, we've only been serving the SAS um, and we're working on a way to serve the templates, you know, that could be reusable and like, how can we serve up the same template in all these different like states and, you know, right. like pages and like have different content in it. Um, I know Lon and uh, my coworker, Luke uh, and Mohit, they have put together a proposal for that, that we're going to hopefully start implementing soon or they're already in the middle of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, we, with, with stuff like this, it's a little trial and error. Like you have, right even with the CSS, the way we're serving that, like we kind of started down one path and did that. It was like kind of working and then we kind of revised it a little bit once we actually had some teams using it and kind of seeing, you know, what was working for them and, and where they got tripped up. Um, so, um, and more details on that. It's one of those things where like, I, I want to give talks about it, but in the future, right? Like right now I don't have any real, Right. Yeah. Like um, we're just doing it. I'm just like, hopefully it'll work. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a great concept. Yeah. I think I, I like the idea and I'll have you back on the show and, and talk, yeah. deep dive into it. I, I will totally, I'll give you all an update next time. We'll cool. do it again. Like next year. This <laughs> <laughs> Same <laughs> cool, you know. time next year. Yes. This date next year. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah. uh, that's good. Um, I know you, you have to run and which uh, yeah, thankful for your time. Uh, so Thank how you can for people, having me on. Yeah. How can people reach out to you? On, on the web and yeah find uh, on, i am on twitter uh, it's elise holiday um and i'll i'll let you tweet it so that i don't have to try to spell it for everybody uh, two l's and an a no i and also for um everybody who's a non-breaking space podcast listener um we have a sasconf discount code for you oh. all just oh, wow. special for you it's uh, 75 dollars off and it's uh, nbsp tv so it's the oh, same as the podcast you are welcome i hope uh I hope you'll come, listeners. I hope you'll will come and hang out with us. It's gonna be a good time. And yeah, send me a send me a tweet if you have any questions or anything. Just just let me know. I'll be glad to chat. Cool, awesome. Well, thank. I appreciate you coming on the show again, and uh, hope to talk to you soon. <laughs>